0: ask. Shut the fuck up and put on your mask! Shut the fuck up and put on your mask. Shut the fuck up and put on your mask. Save a human life with a menial task. Shut the fuck up and put on your mask. Look at their
1: numbers. Look at our numbers! Shut the fuck up and put on your
2: mask. And they want to throw God's wonderful breathing system out the door. Shut
1: the fuck
3: up and Killing people, then you're dead, dead wrong
1: I really shouldn't even have to write this song If you trust Trump, you can
0: kiss my ass And shut the fuck up and put on your mask Everybody! Shut the fuck up
1: and put on your mask Shut the fuck up and put on your mask Save a human life with a medial task Just shut the fuck up and put on your mask
3: What's up, you stupid bitches?
1: <laughs> I'm dead. He has. Okay, I'm late. <laughs> <Yeah. I'll> lose. <laughs> Welcome back, everybody, oh hey. to You're Not Special. We're all racist.
0: Yeah. Uh, racist. We're all
1: country, racist. They don't have the autonomy to be racist in our country, so fight about it. I don't care. It's, it's not true. <laughs> <laughs> Pena, when, you said, when you said you were cooking, did you mean you
3: were cooking a smoothie?
4: I made a smoothie as well. This
3: yes. is a green
4: tea milkshake, that looks and good. I have spicy Korean rice cakes.
3: Oh, there it is. Ooh. Yeah, there wow. we go, Kenya. That's fire, dude.
2: Ooh, it really is fire.
3: This
0: right. Extra. If only people in the podcast could see how bomb that looks. Wow.
4: Yeah. Okay. Oh, that spicy one. Korean rice is called tteokbokki.
1: Wow. Um, anyways, what are we talking about today, everyone? You're not special. Help. We all need therapy. We do. We do all need therapy. <laughs> therapy. Like, therapy. <laughs> <laughs> Where do we want to
0: start? What's some... Well, I'm going to fire mine. You're going to fire your therapist. <laughs> That's so funny because I just had my first therapist appointment today. How so did like Oh, it actually went really well um, in regards to, like, everything that, like, led up to this appointment. Like, with, like, working with, like, other psychologists and stuff. Um, this was, like, the first time where someone actually felt like they wanted to get to know what was going on. And she told me that it will take three appointments to do the full assessment before we actually get into more work. And I was like, that's crazy because the psychologist I saw before this, it took them like 10 minutes to ask me questions. (laughs) So, but it's like so funny how we're like on the opposite. Like you're firing yours. I'm just found one.
3: That that sounds like more, that sounds better to me. I kind of wish... My therapist actually did show a little bit more interest that in that way because you, I filled out like a questionnaire. Right. And I don't think she knows me at all. And everything I say, she kind of repeats back to me, which I know is like a technique, but it's just not working. Like, it's fine when we do like FaceTime, but I'll say something and she's like, so it sounds like blah, blah, blah. I was like, I just said that. Like, you said <laughs> <like>, that. <laughs> <you're laughs> <right? laughs> but what else are you talking <laughs> about? <laughs> Even what I just said. Thank you.
4: But maybe mm. restate state the question.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so. That's good. It's important to find a therapist that you can, like, feel comfortable with. I feel like, and, and doctors. We were having this conversation earlier about how it's okay to not
0: like your it's therapist. Like that match. You have
1: every right to fire her yeah. <laughs> or him or whoever they are. <laughs> right. Yeah.
0: Like, yeah. There's this almost like this weird like stigma where it's like there's already such still a negative connotation to therapy and getting help when there's becoming more of a positive like outlet for just talking about mental health. But when it comes to like actually getting help for it or like having medication, there's still such a negative stigma, at least from like my own experiences around all of it. And it's really interesting that a lot of that can start to, like, um, ease its way into just medical care in general, where so many people tend to feel extremely guilty about not vibing with their doctors or their gynecologists or their psychiatrists, psychologists, whoever. And it's, like, really interesting because it's, like you shouldn't feel guilty for trying new things. Like, it's kind of like, you know, it's like dating. Yeah. figure like, <laughs> it yes. okay.
1: yeah. out. I think for me and for my own experience, I think there's been a lot of obstacles that have, like, prevented me from feeling comfortable, like, seeking a therapist. I think a lot of it is due to class I think it's like hard to it's like uh, I keep seeing something like on that whole idea of like when universities or schools like require a doctor's note I never went to the doctor (laughs) I like I could count on one hand the amount of times I've been to a doctor (laughs) like I don't go to doctors and you know, I feel like it's – I've never really had a, a straight-up, like, conversation with my parents of, like, hey, how come, like, I never went to the doctor a lot as, like, a kid? Like, I had got my vaccines and I, like – all of those things, but, like, I never had a doctor where it's like, oh, I'm having an issue. Let's go to – doc. like, you know, our our doctor so-and-so or whatever. And that probably had to do with, like, the kind of health insurance we had growing up or lack thereof and, like – The expense of visiting a doctor so like I mean I if I barely went to like a a medical doctor you know the chances of me going to like a a psychologist or or finding a therapist were even less Um, and I think it's hard for people to feel like that's something that they are allowed to spend money on I don't know like it's like you know we all have And especially in these times, like, that, you know, money is pretty tight for most people. And it's like, why? It just sucks that that's, like, such an obstacle when it shouldn't need to be. Yeah. Just unfortunate.
3: Also therapists, like, there's a lot. I mean, I've seen there's outlets you can turn to where you don't have to spend a lot of money. But some, I've had someone, like, turn me away because I was still in the process of getting insurance which literally I still don't have like I mean I was kicked off of like a state one but also like she said it in like a very politely rude way where she was just like well it's just me helping you that was like okay um I'm not like asking your permission for like any medication or anything like also if I'm straight up gonna pay you out of pocket I don't it's kind of a weird way to like turn me down because of that but because I understand like they might not be getting paid but also like If that's what you're basing, taking a a patient on, then what about all these people who, that's just making therapy that much more of, like, a privileged thing to have, because not everyone, even with, like, state insurance, it's, like, the best care I get is Planned Parenthood, and that's, like, 99% of the time I pay out of pocket or I qualify for free. So, like, it should be that way, like, with therapy, like... It was just weird having someone, I was like, okay, I'll leave.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I how I uh, see myself out then. <laughs> like, see myself out, yeah.
4: Honestly, the only time I was like, ever able to do therapy was like back at college when they had like the free counseling and that literally kind of didn't really do a lot. because yeah, um. did that.
0: They're it honestly allowed it, to. It like, made it worse. Like, why? It it- oh yeah,
4: <laughs> cause they're only allowed to say or do or recommend so much it's essentially like glorified high school counselors
1: yeah <laughs>
4: kind of don't but- really get a lot it's not their fault because they're all certified but it's just like restrictions within the university itself plus um I've talked about this before but like it's it did our university is very white school very white staff they had I think they had one counselor who was black she's no longer there
0: she left and i'm mad she left <laughs> she's
2: gone
0: she left in the middle of my sessions i had like two and she was amazing and then she goes okay so we can't do anymore because i'm leaving and i was like I'm i feel here. so i Literally my abandonment issues started there. <laughs> like I was like, But I opened up to you so much already. <laughs> I cried to you. I cried to you.
4: But it really is because like like when I was in counseling sessions there, I had I had a white counselor and she was very nice. But she also let, let me like know in the very beginning, like, yo, I'm not gonna be like much of a help because I can't identify with a lot of the things you feel, especially being a black woman at this white university. I'm just like, well, thank you for being upfront with it. Yeah. And thank you for the lavender scented Play-Doh. This helps so much. <laughs> it was so great. I love that lavender scented Play-Doh. I never would have even you. known what the fuck that
1: was. Had I not seen it. I've never heard <laughs> of that. That sounds <laughs> dope. I would love
4: that. Lavender, that she literally like had Play-Doh. <laughs> she literally had Play-Doh. And because like she didn't give like stress balls, she gave like little tubes of like Play-Doh. And then she would just drop, like, whatever essence or oil inside of it. So she dropped lavender oil in it. And I was like, thanks. Now I'm going to go deal with my anxiety.
0: <laughs> that's so, and like, nice. I mean, it was like, so it's nice. not great. But, like, that's, like, really nice. And I don't mean to, like, bash on Niagara. But it's, like, when I went to try and do counseling for a second time, the counselor that I had, um, I just, honestly, I ended up becoming the therapist. Mm. Like she started rambling about her life and was being like this is just fucking dumb blah 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 and like was just going off and I was just like
4: I feel like I know who you're talking about
0: (laughs) yeah probably (laughs) (laughs) because she didn't give me any lavender scented play-doh I'll tell you that (laughs) Um, (laughs) but I was just very much like I had like I think maybe two um, appointments with her and after that she was like, okay, do you want to, like, do another session? And I was like, you know what? I am not sure if my schedule coming up, I will I will call or I'll come back and I'll set something up. And when I tell you I ran as far away <laughs> as I can,
4: <laughs> I never set foot in that place again.
0: <laughs>
1: yeah, I definitely did not vibe with the counselors at um, Niagara. Um, I ended up actually doing um signing up for the better help app website mm-hmm.
4: Mm-hmm.
1: and I did that for a while and I, I think it worked pretty well. I mean I don't want to say like it worked I'm cured but like it <laughs> helped me. <laughs> it did help. Um the nice thing about it was that you could kind of it made it really easy to switch um counselors um and it also gives a student discount if anyone listening is a student like student discounts Um, and some like financial aid packages that you can qualify for which is kind of nice um I do have a friend though that I was talking to about and he was also um trying it out and he didn't have the best experience with it not like terrible but just like wasn't great um but it's an option I mean there, there are options out there um there's another something I shared on our page, it should be in like the FYI portion of our um, Instagram. I'll, I'll post a link to it um, that has a couple different resources of like, you know, figuring out what kind of options are available to you based on what kind of health insurance or if you have health insurance and that kind of thing. Um, I just left it to go. Oh, I see. Oh, thank you. Um, but recently I, I stopped doing, I stopped, like, seeing my better health counselor back in, like, maybe April or something, um, and then I just started, um, seeing some, a new counselor, and I found her off, like, a, I just, I I just Googled and, like, researched and I found her on, like, a Latinx, um, therapy website um because it's like important to like find someone that like identifies with like many of the things that that you identify with it's just doesn't make sense for you know me to have like a white cis male counselor you know what i mean like that wouldn't be helpful first foremost i never do that (laughs) i would never i would never do that (laughs) Um, yeah but you are you know a white cis male then you know maybe you need a white cis male counselor. I don't know um yeah
4: <laughs> another um kind of like independent source that I use because from 20 2017 to like mid 2019 I didn't have health insurance and we only recently just got health insurance back now um so one thing that I did use was this app called Reflexively and it's kind of like a, a personal reflections app.
0: Is it kind of like a journaling thing where you journal <laughs> through like your day and how you've been experiencing your yeah. emotions?
4: Yeah, so it's like you open it up and you can choose out of, like a basic thing, but they also have like um, a tracker that tracks your progress and everything. Um, so you can do like the basic or you can do like the more in depth one. That one costs, I think like $10, um, but it was worth it for me and basically as you go through and it's literally you're just talking to yourself and there's a lot of um there's not a lot of areas where you can like hide from yourself or like lie to yourself about anything it's like no one else sees it except for you so it's all just self-reflective of you and how you feel like in that day so it starts out with just like basic how are you feeling today what was your general Um, mood throughout the day and then it's like what do you think contributed to that it's like family, friends, love stuff like that, work, school and then it goes through and it's like whatever you want to document about that day whether it be literally just like a bulleted list or like you do a full on like journal entry like you can write however many, we can literally write just fuck there have been days where I literally just wrote shit (laughs) and be like that's it and you go through the full thing and then after that it asks you like another just random question, just like food for thought. And it's like, um, what is what, what's, what is one thing in your five year plan that you're willing to change? Stuff like that. And then it's just like, all right, if you want to add anything else, I'm here. Other than that, good session.
0: Yeah, I actually think I used that. Now that I you like it. put it into more depth, I really did think I gave that a try. Also comment.com. Was- not- wow and like calm the app for Mm -hmm. like meditation and things that's I don't want to say it's a given but I do feel like um when talking about mental health meditation and yoga and things along those lines do come to they come about quite often so if that seems interesting to you I would say check that out yes
1: I'm definitely more of like I've discovered I'm more of a person who needs to write things down yeah like I know like some of my friends I know they do like a lot of like art therapy um which can be really helpful but I'm like I just need to like write things but I'm also really bad about it just because like I don't make I don't always like make time for it and that's like something that I need to like get better at but I'm bad at it too honestly but I think it would be helpful because looking back on the
3: last time I wrote in my like journal or whatever it's it's only when I'm like really going through something or I'm mad or I need to let it out and it's like four pages I'm like I would honestly like to look like your writing is good Liz it is don't get me wrong but I would like to like go back on it and be like maybe one day I actually felt good once like it didn't doesn't have to be like you know it just the more of like a habit that way I can look back and actually reflect like oh this isn't the first time I've felt this way, because things, like, come into my brain and they leave really quickly. So, I'm like, if I write it down... So, it's, I think it's going to, like, for me, I think if I'm with you. It's really important to write that shit down. And even when I'm talking to my therapist, sometimes it's not that I don't have a lack of things to say, because there are plenty, but I don't need to, like, dig, like, to the depths. Like, sometimes, honestly, it's just helpful for me to just be like, like, let's just talk surface level like sometimes like you just don't even get that and I
1: don't
3: know it's it's really hard to just to find that that person because it's not necessarily just an an ear like someone to listen to you it's more like how they're gonna respond and also I mean it's rare but I have felt kind of judged a few times and I don't know it's still another person like they might be a professional with a degree but they're also just like a human being and you can tell when you're talking you're just like that felt weird like to (laughs) No,
1: yes no that's totally fair i have i've definitely gotten like better at like writing more frequently but obviously like it kind of comes in waves like I think the last time. Like, sometimes I'll... Every time I go in my journal, I'll... Because I'll, I'll write, like, the date and everything. And be like, when was... La-? Oh my God, it's been, like, a fucking month. And this month has been, like, a shit show. And that's... Not to say, like, that's why. It's because I wasn't journaling. But, like... It feels so much worse because I can't go back and recognize things the way that I could have if I had written them down. And, like, even, like, I started, like, having a notepad open, like, during therapy because I'm like I don't because there are things where I'm like oh I, I want to write that down because I don't want to forget it or like this really resonated with me and like maybe I don't know why in the moment but like I want to come back to it but like I don't know I cry so much during therapy like I've never had a therapy session where I didn't cry and I think that's just because I never like was able to cry as a child <laughs> like, just like wasn't allowed
3: I don't. That's my problem, is I can't. I can talk about, like, the worst things ever, and I won't cry, you guys. I cry, like, every two months. I want to. Don't get me wrong. I'm sad. I will get sad, but my body won't let me do it. I should talk about that. (laughs) That is actually interesting. It's weird. I know. I'm not heartless, I promise you, but (laughs) I just think, like, it won't. but when it does it it like it feels like so that's shitty like sometimes i wish i got my crying out like in front of a counselor because that would really help but every honestly it it does people different like you can go and like show a face but then like once you're in therapy you're like finally i can let this out or there's people who like don't have that kind of vulnerability like even in front of a therapist, you can be like, this is 100%. I can be myself, I can be whatever, but even even then, like, sometimes it's just really hard to be that
1: vulnerable. That yeah, I super lied to my therapist before. Yeah, <laughs> <Damn>, i <I'll>, like, <laughs> do And it then, and like, like, afterwards, I'm like, what the fuck? Why am I, i yeah, paying this person money. Yeah. Like, I can impressive. be truthful <laughs> and honest and, like, open and, like, figure shit out, and here I am, fucking sugarcoating the situation <laughs> what, is, what am i doing why am i doing that i think for me personally because
4: like in i only had like i think i had like one full semester of on the counseling sessions and i cried in maybe like half of them i think for me it really is just like one like Liz said, it is uh it's more than just having someone who can who's just like a listening ear it's someone that you essentially are a Confiding in all, maybe not all. You're you're confiding a lot of really like deep set feelings that you might not, you might have not even recognized yourself. Um, so it's like it's really, for me, it's kind of like scary to talk about it because one, I don't know what's gonna come out of my mouth. I don't know what's gonna happen. And then two, it's like like Amelia said, I wasn't allowed to cry as a kid, <laughs> and it wasn't like anything like um, you can't cry, that's weak. Um, but it really is just like, as a kid, or especially like from, from my gra- background growing up um, with an army brat mom, militant grandfather, uh, Southern, deep Southern dad, and then five other siblings. I kind of put a lock on myself growing up. So it was like, oh, I can't cry about this little thing that happened because my younger siblings are going through this my mom has to deal with this my dad's dealing with this so it's kind of just like i mean personally it's like always putting yourself second or even last so making sure everyone else is okay first then now when like the cameras actually turn to you and it's like okay so what do you need you're like i have needs i'm allowed to have those i'm like that's fucking crazy and then like liz like you said you only cry maybe like like once every two months it wasn't until I lost my dad that I actually like learned to cry on a regular basis, and it was not fun, and it's still not fun. But I also don't cry as much as I used to. But I think it's also just like like crying is painful. For me, crying is as painful as throwing up. I hate that. I hate it. Really? <laughs> crying, like it depends on what it is. But like, if I'm crying out in like pain, that hurts as much as throwing up to me.
1: Do you mean like, like
4: it's a physical, physical, physical hurt yeah. or like emotional? Like physical, emotional, mental. It's crying yeah. is one of the most draining activities, and it's only when like, like it feel like it feels relieving after like like the next day. Like if you like cry like a long ass time one day, and then like the next day you're like, wow you
1: you go to sleep
4: you like have a good ass like deep sleep No, i don't have a deep sleep after after crying for me i don't have a deep sleep after crying like that's why it's such a visceral reaction for me because like if i'm crying i can cry myself to sleep but then i'll wake up within like 45 minutes and start that shit right again i'm like oh second wave here we go but um it's like the next day it's like okay that felt great but like in the moment of it happening
3: it literally feels like vomiting the that <laughs> I like it. anxiety too though like for sure because mm-hmm. when I'm crying a lot I'm usually pretty anxious at the same time so it kind of gives you like a different like it just starts bringing shit back and like cause sometimes you can cry yeah. and it's like a good cry but when you're also like really anxious like it's got some weird side effects like,
4: <laughs> it'll be like I'm crying over like one very specific thing And then, like five minutes later, I've gone down memory lane of every trauma I've ever had, and it's just like I didn't ask for that today. I was crying over cheezits, and now you got me crying over like fifth grade bullying. I didn't call for that. I didn't ask for that. Put it back. Put it back. I don't know. I don't know. And I think it really does just have to like, from for me personally again, I can't speak on anyone else's experience. But, like, it really is just, like, not fully understanding how to deal with my own emotions and not actually having to be... I I never had to directly face my own emotions until moving out of my house or going to college or losing my dad because then when I lost my dad, I couldn't just, like, focus on everyone else. I tried really fucking hard. But it was just, like it was like, okay, but I also lost my dad. So I was like looking at my siblings, I'm like, make sure they're okay, make sure my mom is okay, make sure my grandparents are okay, because they lost their child. And then at the same time, they're all just like, Kenya, you good? And I was like, huh, what you mean? They're like, Kenya, that's your dad. So I was like, oh, shit. Oh, shit. Oh no. Oh no, okay, I, I, I feel, feel it now. now. Oh no. I feel <laughs> just, it now it's like it's like one of those things you can't like i don't know for me it was always easier to play therapist instead of actually having to see one myself because then you have to see one yourself and you're like oh shit, i actually have to acknowledge the shit that happened i want to do that do you think
1: that you feel like you don't deserve to cry I mean I may not even cry but like I don't know and I think that's a very common a common obstacle and obviously correct me if I'm wrong and I'm just like assuming things um but I think that's a big obstacle amongst like black women in particular of always oh, yeah. to take care of everyone else and even like you know protect black men and like they they're the they're the last person that would that is offered any kind of support for anything. And I think living that narrative your whole life can be really hard because you don't feel like you're allowed to be taken care of.
4: Oh yeah, absolutely. There was a time where I was talking to my mom about it too and I'm probably gonna talk about my dad like a lot in this because like during that time is when I had like a lot of revelations about self-love and self-care and also self-hate because you know, that should be tied together. But um, I was talking to my mom about it and I was always like asking her, cause like I'm, I'm the second oldest of six kids. And so like growing up, I was always just like, okay, I'm in like the oldest top two. So I gotta take care of all my younger siblings but then, like, I also had like, this weird thing where I was like, well, I gotta make sure that my older sister's okay because she has to take care of all of us. And I gotta make sure my parents are okay because they gotta take care of all six of us. And I'm like, that's a lot to deal with. Let me just, let me just uh, compress myself so they don't have to deal with like a full child. I was like, let me make myself like half a kid so they don't it's have to, like to work at like the a man. Middle middle. Okay. <laughs> As yeah. yeah. But it's like, like, like Amelia said, like black women always have this narrative just that we have to be the caretakers. And even after this is like all over the place, Chris answer. But like, even after like losing my dad and going back to school, because I felt like I didn't, I felt like I couldn't take time. I honestly really wish I would have, but um, it's over now. But uh, I didn't take time after losing my dad. So I was like, well, I don't have time to stop. I can't. And I was like, my mom's trying to make sure I get through all the way. I don't want her to have to worry about financial aid if I can't get it back, if I take the semester off. So it was just like, I just came, I literally went to work a month after my dad passed away. So like a month after I went straight into like full, uh, full-time employment at the university. And then went straight from that, right into the new semester. I did travel, I did um, a travel show in, in um, Alabama, my father's from Alabama, Selma specifically. But um, I went and I did a show in Birmingham, Alabama, and I saw my aunt again, and it was just like so much. But I just like pushed it all to the side. I was like, just gotta get it all done, get it all done fast now. Um, so then when I actually went back to school, I can't tell you how many times I just got the, oh my God, you're so strong for being back here. Oh my God, oh, you're, so, you're so wonderful. You're just, you know, you're just so, you're so inspiring just coming back after something tragic like that. And I'm like, I just wanted to get my scripts and my class schedule. I didn't want to have this conversation. Um, and then, so it was just like, it was like, I felt like I had to keep up that front because everyone already had the idea of like, oh, she's just so strong. She's just getting through it. Oh my God. She's just power, powerhouse. She's just getting through it and everything like that. So I felt like because that's what people thought of me, I felt like I just had to keep that up. One, as a way so I didn't disappoint anybody when they found out that I was actually not okay. But then also it was a shield for myself. Because like getting through a tragedy like that, it's like everyone's first thing is to say I'm sorry. And one of my first reactions, I really do want to be like, why are you sorry? Did you kill him? Was that you? Mom, we found him. So like, no, that's super fucked up. So I won't do that to somebody. But it's just like uh-huh. I know that that's everyone. <laughs> I know that that's everyone's first reaction because they don't know what to like say. Mm-hmm. You're like, oh yeah, no, my dad said. Like they don't know what to say. But it's also just like it doesn't help when people feel like they have to tiptoe around you, because then it always is just a constant reminder. Then again, it's like, like I there have been so many times where people have said the word dad around me and instantly just like froze like they said the n-word or something and i'm like you said dad it's okay i had one it's okay i still have one i'm like it's fine guys you do not around me too. like it's okay it's okay i know it happened you know it happened
1: i, don't, I see that. public knowledge we're all in the know
4: come on guys but it's just like, I do understand that's what people, cause people know that it's a very fragile time. But since everyone like tiptoed around it so much, I felt like I had to tiptoe around it as well. So I just didn't let myself feel it as much as I probably should have. But I didn't actually like fully start like accepting it and grieving until maybe like a year later. Like right before I went to South Korea. That's that's when I actually started feeling it. Because I was like, Oh shit, I'm leaving my mom behind. I was like, What happened? I was literally going for a month. I was like, What happens if I leave my mom? And like something happens while I'm not here, or my siblings, or grandparents. But yeah. I feel like I don't know, that was very like all over the place. It was like very no, no, happening. <laughs> but it's just like You know, when someone goes through something, and it doesn't even have to be to the magnitude of losing a parent. It could be literally anything. Um, But it's like when someone goes through something and it's traumatic for them, I feel like the people around them that know about it should try to help them normalize their feelings. And I don't mean normalize as a negation. I mean like letting them know that what they're feeling is actually valid like, don't tiptoe around them, because they're going to want to tiptoe around
1: yeah.
4: (laughs) so they're just going to feel like, like, like for me, I felt like I didn't deserve, like, like you said, yeah, I felt like I didn't deserve to want better for myself, if that makes sense, I feel like I didn't deserve to want to be in therapy, because I'm like, I'm not the only one who lost somebody.
1: Mm -hmm. No, I'm really glad you said that, because I wanted to ask you, What you wish people would have done instead like what would have helped what would have been like ideal
4: um there was one person specifically who like had i don't want to say the best reaction to finding out but like the best reaction um uh was a year after my dad passed away i went i went to south korea for a month and i made a friend alan there and we had this one day where we were doing like a lecture on like uh, cinematography and Korean media and stuff like that. And we watched this old movie, Ode to My Father. And of course I cried hard. And um, so the guy, Alan, we were talking after the movie ended and he was like, are you okay and everything? And so I literally, I cussed him out (laughs) because he picked the movie. And I I was like, yo, fuck you, man. (laughs) And he didn't understand why and then like later on that night i texted him i was like yo i'm sorry i exploded on you like that just like you know my father passed away a year ago some of the things are really fresh and some of the parts of that movie really just like triggered a lot of emotions and he literally like the next morning we saw each other and he just gave me a hug and was just like you need to talk i'm here and we just went on like it was a regular day and that was the best react that was the best reaction someone had and that's honestly what I wish a lot of people would have done in the first place. For the for the people who are around someone who just recently went through a personal tragedy, um, try and be as not casual, but just just try and be as anchored as possible in that situation. Just because like you you don't know what they might need, but honestly, they mo for most times out of my own experience, people just want to feel something is normal. So just, you know, take them out for ice cream or some shit.
1: Everybody loves ice cream.
4: I got a question. It's like, how long do you think it's gonna take for people to normalize like men in therapy? Not like men as therapists, but men seeking therapy. It
1: Honestly, it depends. Like white men, brown men, black men. I think it's. I think it's gonna take, I think it's gonna, you know, take some one some, some domino has to call first <laughs> but also I mean misogyny does just like have a lot to do with it and I think it's I don't know but, I mean none of us are men so <laughs> <True>. <laughs> we can't really speak to I mean we can speak to what we have experienced from our perspectives of like why we don't think that men go to therapy or if they do they don't talk about it And I think that just stands in a lot of, you know, men need to be the provider, and the the rock, the foundation, and, like...
0: And, like, on the opposite side, kind of, like, the women are the emotional ones. Yeah. When it's, like, in reality, when we're on our period, the hormone we experience more is testosterone. Like, just, like, kind of, like, normalizing... We're like starting to normalize um, questioning and normalizing the questioning of why anger has become the like foundational emotion that men can feel and why that seems to be the only one that they're allowed to feel and yeah.
1: Remember seeing something about how like anger isn't an emotion, it's like
0: a... Like it's like a response or something.
1: Gonna like or it's behavior. like a learned
0: like a learned behavior. Yeah. And um yeah, cuz like it's just really interesting that it's kind of this learned behavior that can be toxic for both the individual and the people around them. I grew up in, you know, Like, my one uncle who is no longer my uncle anymore because my aunt was finally brave enough to um, get rid of him. But I would walk into my cousin's house and I would see um, doors with uh, holes in them that he punched in. I remember one time being like, hey, cousin, name I will not insert here. Um where's your phone? My cousin goes, oh, my dad got mad and broke it in half last night. And, you know, it's just like stuff like that. And like, Even to this day, there's, like, abuse in different situations that, like, so many people don't even recognize as, like, abuse just from people who never learned how to express themselves because of years of misogyny and sexism and the patriarchy, you know? Like, it's crazy how so much, like, toxicity and abuse comes from, like, systems. Like, I feel like that goes back to the idea of, like, this whole individualistic society we have, where it's much easier for people to blame the person than it is to blame the system in which things have been founded on. Yes. Because there's a reason for all of these things and why they happen. And, you know, we can talk about, like, feminism and how so many people are just like, oh, you're a feminazi if you hate men and it's like no one's saying they hate men but what most women are saying is that we're fearful of them but we also recognize that there's a system that was built upon making sure that they can't express themselves and that's also terrifying and it's like we recognize that as also terrifying for them and we recognize the hardships that men have to go through every single day but we also recognize the things that women also have to go through and how the system just unfortunately still hurts us more like in every like there's like variations you know yeah I'm very passionate about
1: this. <laughs> oh no, it was a great speech. Yeah. I loved it <laughs> I was like guest talking points. Yeah. Uh, I did find something. Anger is defined as a strong feeling of displeasure, annoyance, hostility, or antagonism. Anger can be considered a secondary emotion. It is the response to other emotions having been triggered first. Anger is yes. the emotion needed to engage in the fight engage the fight in the flight or Fight or flight
0: response system. So anger is
1: the path to fighting, (laughs) which is like yeah, we know that.
0: Yes, yeah, absolutely, one hundred
3: percent. Like, just like once it like hits you, you kind of just keep going. And then men, like uh, with the the like misogyny, like the system and like the toxic masculinity. I think a lot of what I've seen with people with with straight cis white men I suppose in our kind of age range which is I suppose I would say I've seen it from like 19 to 26 um I think on like a lot that has to do with it is not only the influence that they got from other men but also like their moms (laughs) in a weird way like I've noticed a lot has to do with like they're not really helping in a way I mean it's it's kind of an age thing but it's also like the, the At least from my experience, all of my my brothers are kind of dealing with the effects of this. Not unknowingly, but, like, I see it all of the time where it's, like, she's not helping. He's not helping, as in, like, the dad because he's just, like, what am I just, like, maybe I relate to this, whatever. But, like, with the mom is just, like – and I, I saw it with, like, my last roommate. Um, his mom would show up, and I just, like, saw this weird change where I was, like, this is not your – this – son of yours is not your protector and this sort of pressure or weird dynamic that you've put in front of them to make them think that like, this is my mom, I'll do anything for my mom, I love my, you know, things like that, like whatever it is I've noticed that has honest, that's kind of fucked them up more, the same if not more than the already like toxic masculinity that they're dealing with is that this person who should be doing the opposite is actually making it worse. So then you see it and you're like, "The hell's
1: going on here?" <laughs> like, You yeah, know? 100%. Yeah. A repeat <laughs> paint it on a mural. Well, you know, like Heather was saying, misogyny and and sexism is also pretty uh, institutionalized. So, what am I trying to say? Um, <laughs> um, as Heather was saying, <laughs> um, it's, it's also embedded in our system. Misogyny, patriarchy, sexism, it's all embedded in our system. They're all different things. That Down Girl book is like my favorite definition of like separating everything because it's, a, it's like, you know, sexism is the belief and misogyny is like the tool in which it's carried out with and then patriarchy is the system in which both of those things uphold cannot believe I fucking remembered that. Oh my God, I was, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, was, Cause I always fuck it up when I talk about it. Um, anyways, and then I sound like a dumb girl who doesn't know what she's saying. <laughs> but I read something somewhere, because, we, so it's, because of that, it's also internalized the same way that racism is, um, or it can be. And it shows up in bias. And I saw something the other day that was like mothers because of a mother's internalized sexism or misogyny she will then favor her son over her daughters as well as like attack herself like we all kind of attack ourselves as women mm-hmm. but the problem in that again you know like Liz was saying lies in mothers idolizing their sons or putting this kind of I narrative out there that they're supposed to be protectors and that They need to whatever that means, you know, no one ever really talks about what that means because it can mean very many different things. It doesn't have to be like this one version of an idea where, you know, you protect and defend the honor because of a woman because she's incapable of doing so, but you'll only do it to the extent that it benefits you. Ooh, that's something my therapist told me today. But I was like, Oh, you're so fucking right, Jessica (laughs) Where it's just like, you know, men will 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 do that they're going to protect certain women in their lives but only to the extent that it it's still holding themselves in a position of power over her like ultimately oh. mm.
4: i feel like there's this weird stigma around it like piggybacking off of that because um, like as soon as you said like some men will protect certain women um and what my brain came up with is that men will protect certain women as if they're children as opposed to their equal. Yes. Because like when, or at least for like, especially like in the black community, men are kind of raised to be like, like women are like precious little lambs and they can't do anything for themselves. And they're just so just, they're just like women need to be protected at all costs. And I'm like, yeah, protect women, but also protect yourself, homie. Protect your mental, protect your emotions. Cause like that shit takes a beating. Like I remember, because um, what made me think of this question was because I was watching this thing it was like this uh old mob boss and he was like raiding mob movies and one scene was a was a mob boss talking to his therapist and the guy he immediately stopped it. He was like, Absolutely not. He was like, if a mob boss went and saw a therapist, he would be in the trunk of someone's car the next day along with the head of his therapist. That would never happen. A mobster would never go and see a therapist, ever. And I'm like, being a mob boss is a lie. That sounds like something <laughs> that's be a lot of therapist pressure. for. That sounds like a lot of pressure. <laughs> and I realized, like, that's not even as, that's not even like a crazy thought because for some reason, the thought of getting mental or emotional help, especially for black men is an emasculating thing. And it's like, I never understood why. And it's always because like society has put this put them on this pedestal that like they have to be this strong, unwavering rock, like Amelia said before, it's like everyone wavers. Everyone does. It's part of being human. If you don't waver, I'm convinced you're the terminator. And I have I've obligated to end you right then and there. Like <laughs> I don't play with the devil. Absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> Even down to like the littlest of things like like asking for directions like that old movie classic like a woman is okay with asking for directions but a man's like i won't i got this it's my i understand how to do this i am a man i can read maps and i'm like listen you can be a man and not know how to read maps like some people can't read i can't read <laughs> <Just> like, <laughs> well, my I name understand. is jared i'm 19 i never <laughs> learned how to read <laughs> But it's like, it's like down, it's literally just like asking for the littlest amount of help that has become so taboo that it's like, whoa, the stress of even being a man and having to
3: ask to go to therapy, like what? What? <laughs> Just imagine, uh, like if this was this were a real thing, a man like asking for directions and somebody being like, "No, I can't. You're a dude. I
1: can't." <laughs> <laughs> no, I'll figure it out, man. <laughs> yeah, man. It's like it's <laughs> completely. Like, yeah, all right. You know what's so sad though? <laughs> so since we've been since we've got our Spotify up and running, we get to see analytics and. Mm-hmm. Well, actually, right now um, <laughs> today, I should check it again today. You're I'm made. passionate. I'm but passionate. Our listening audience, like the all fans, our fans. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> um, it used to be up until yes, up until today, it was our listening audience was made up of 100 percent women, female, according to Spotify. Maybe people listened when we were still on SoundCloud, but like since. We've moved over to Spotify. That's been our demographic. As of today, we have 20% non-specified. It's possible men are listening to this, but... <laughs> you know, if, you, if you're listening to this right now, send, send this to a man, you know. You know send, this, send it to your brother. Send
0: it to a man. Send it to... Also, can I just touch on a topic that we were talking about earlier? And I wrote it down, because I just... I. Yeah, this is a thing I've been seeing recently, but basically, like, I feel like, like, when we're talking about, like, the idea of, like, how, like, men kind of, like, protect women in a way that it only, like, benefits them, I don't know if this term exists, and I just googled it to see if it did, and I don't think it does, but in, like, regards to, like, performance allyship, I feel like there's also, like, performance feminism, Where I feel like men, um, yeah, okay, we can say, I guess, women too, because a lot of people, a lot of like women also tend to do that whole like I'm speaking for the men type of thing. Like, we're seeing that on TikTok a lot right now, actually, Um, which is fine. Like, but anyways, okay, Um, (laughs) I just don't want to make it sound like I'm saying the wrong thing. Um, But it's like, I feel like there's this performance feminism that I see in terms of my own experience of how I see things, me, Heather, Heather, me, 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 me. This is how I see it. No one come attack me for this. But it's like, I feel like sometimes men protect women as objects in terms of like, they use them as a means to an end to benefit themselves. And, or, bless you, Kenya. Um, Thank you, I'm sorry. <laughs> um, but they like do it in like a way where it's like, they try to like talk about equality and feminist issues and talk about abortion rights and talk about like all these things about women's bodies. But then it's like, at the same time, they talk about it in ways that make it sound like they know what it's like to be a woman. You know, I feel like it might have, I
1: feel like control is a part of that. I feel like for a lot of, Again, okay, this is me, Amelia, hi, speaking for right. my- <laughs> like, from what I've, from, from the men in my life and what I've seen and how they've treated me and how situations have happened, um, I feel like a lot of the time men demand a sort of compliance from women, and I think, I think I've said this before, but there's this idea that women serve a, a certain... I don't even—I don't even know if it's a purpose is the right word, but there's a standard that men expect a certain something from women, um, and when that doesn't happen, that's when anger kind of comes in because they no longer feel like they're in control, and so you know, a myriad of things could happen from there, from like gaslighting to like actual physical violence and like it's, you know, all on like- Or just simply not
0: taking no for an answer when you tell them multiple times that you're not interested. Yeah, like it's not, he's, the the
1: expectation isn't being met and it's, it's not coming through that it's because you don't need to meet those expectations. So it's like very confusing for them. And I don't want this to make it sound like we're bashing on men because that's not the issue. The issue is larger than that. Again, of like this is a patriarchal society. Um, you know, the glass ceiling is real. The way the the pay gap is real, um, and the outcome presents itself in situations that you know we have all experienced in different ways.
0: Yeah. Like I think too, it like kind of like performance allyship, it's kind of like I feel as though there's certain individuals who think like if I show that I care about these certain things, then people will like assume that I'm a good person when at the same time it's like they don't practice what they preach whatsoever because that's what Heather has experienced, (laughs) is that you see things from people on social media where they're preaching about all these things, but then you open your eyes a bit and you take off the rose-colored glasses, or you have an experience with them personally, and you're just like, so if two plus two equals five, I don't get it. (laughs) So I just feel like there's so many different things. Yeah. Show your
4: words. That's my favorite expression. Two plus two is five. <laughs> like, uh, I don't
0: know. I just feel like there's just so many things that, like, I realized. And one of them is that I don't think I remember most of my childhood. But that's for another day. Me too. Me too. I realized that so recently. <laughs> I realized it, like, two days ago where I was, like, I don't remember any of, like, what I went, like, I might remember like two specific memories from kindergarten. I don't remember anything from elementary school. I, I barely, the only thing I remember from middle school is knowing that I was terrible at science and that um, I was in a place where I felt like no one liked me and I was just awkward. Like, I had feelings that I can remember from middle school. And then I can, like, remember high school, but that wasn't very long ago in terms of, like, thinking about time. But I just feel like I can't remember my childhood.
3: So there's a there's <laughs> a thing. I'm glad you actually brought that up because this is all about therapy. Um, you guys probably follow this person on Instagram. She's pretty popular. It's just the holistic psychologist. Um, if you don't, you should. She actually just posted something that said the first thing is I have almost no childhood memories. So you should, you should read it and go on it because... Um, She basically says, I thought I had been sexually assaulted or had some other severe trauma that was making me think, like, wonder why I literally could not remember things." But she said, "Um, what I would come to understand on my journey was that I began disassociating, physically being present, but mentally I was gone. Since I was a child, because my mom could not connect with me emotionally, it was a protection mechanism. There was also anxiety, chaos, plus health crisis without adults to model how to process them. Memories are formed through safe, secure attachment plus nurturing, something many of us don't have access to. I'll send this to you because it's longer and people should read it, but this is not something that is, like, uh, uncommon, because a lot of people truly, like, don't. And there's there's times where, like, depending on how severe, or, like, whatever, hopefully it wasn't, it comes back, but it can come back in a very strange way. Sometimes it's through, like, a physical thing or, like, just a bodily body reaction like you know
0: yeah it, it's
3: weird it's it's pretty funky but it's also a lot more common than you think so
0: that makes me feel remember better remember. <laughs> yeah evening,
3: it opens a lot of because i read that and i'm like well i don't remember shit <laughs> yeah
0: i was super a sidebar but it's just like oh, i sure. it's something that i really like realized for myself like literally a day or so ago and i was just I've been trying to even process that fact because it's, like, you know, there's that, like, again, like, there's that thing that is just, like, you're supposed to just remember shit. <laughs> and, like, I was talking that with my sense therapist sense. today, and I was, like, people have to remind me to do things multiple times before it sticks in my head. Like, I cannot focus. I have no focus. I forget things so easily. Nope. I, there's so many things that I'm just, like, <sighs>
1: I vote that we get rid of the notion that we're supposed to do anything in a certain way.
3: Oh my god, yes, please. Agreed, literally agreed. If you guys scroll down to the bottom, I'll just say it because I think it's beneficial to know. If you don't have memories, understand this is normal protective human response. Healing does not require us to regain memories. We don't need to pinpoint the exact reason that they don't exist. What we can do is relearn nervous system safety in the present moment and have an understanding that we don't remember. What we don't remember is for our own
1: protection. Ah. Uh,
3: so that makes yeah. me
1: feel much better.
3: The brain the is like a very funny thing and it's okay that you don't and it's also okay that you might not. That sense.
4: She'd be wilding. The brain be crazy.
3: She's crazy. Like, like, she's <laughs> crazy that brain.
4: <laughs> <laughs> but like it makes so much sense too, especially like and I'm happy that you actually read the last part. Um like it's completely normal you don't have to remember everything because there's this there's this this stigma this notion and again you see a lot in media um, especially when you're watching movies that have like traumatic experiences and stuff and then like there's always that one person who's like nagging the main character like you have to deal with it you have to remember what it is you have to do this yeah it's it's like why is it so forced on us that we have to remember like the exact pinpoint memory why we're all so fucked up? It's like no one wants to relive that specific trauma. That's why our brain got rid of it in the first
3: place. <laughs> it back?
1: She no looking no out for it. No, 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 honey. Uh. Come here.
3: Hey, hey.
1: Come like
3: here.
1: I think
4: it's. Oh. <laughs> I think people get it like mixed up, like identifying the problem. I think people get that mixed up with like identifying the exact specific source of trauma you know yeah it's like like identifying why you're upset in this moment like that's usually what i see happening it's like no, no no just identify what you're feeling and just try to figure out just like at least surface level like why do you feel this way and then you have people that are like no 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 tap into that dig deeper figure out what it is what happened when you were like six months old and it's like
0: And then it's like your brain is doing that thing from Spongebob where they're like, we threw out his name. (laughs)
1: Well, there's like a whole fucking like acting technique about like tapping into your emotions. I hate that
4: acting technique. Yeah, it's it's bullshit. You know what?
1: You know what? I don't even get me started on the fucking Americanization of Stanislavski. I will. Oof. Does anyone have a, um...
2: Something
4: they've got to unpack. Mm. I I think I got one. Of the 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 person who took that picture of the kid. Oh
0: yes. Wait, I have I have it. Um I'm sure a lot of people have seen this going around on Facebook, like Kenya was saying, of um, this young girl and her hair seems to be very matted and she looks like she might be in some PJs, she's at a supermarket, and Someone posted it on Facebook and said, I took this image from a friend that saw this poor kid at a store recently. There are a ton of people that are complaining about opening the schools too soon. I can see their side and understand completely. But have you ever sat and thought about the kid that is being neglected? We all have been to school and there was always that one dirty kid that you knew had it hard at home. My God, this poor child's hair is all matted and clothes are dirty. Do you think she's eating well? School is an outlet not just for education, but it is also a safe haven for at least six hours. Teachers also note this stuff and report things like this to the proper authorities to make sure that kids are actually safe. There are so many kids like this one that are falling through the cracks and are wishing that school was in session just to get that meal or even have some social interaction. Please stop complaining. Think of those kids that are in a situation they wish they could just get that little escape for a day. And I said, um, on this post, I said, hi, I saw this post. Before. <laughs> hi. Uh, and, hey, I said, um, Hi. I saw this post before and it left me with a lot of questions. I wonder if this woman, sorry, it was a woman who posted the thing, I can't do anything about that. Um, I wonder if this woman actually went up to this little girl and asked what was going on and how she could help. I wonder if this woman took the time to understand the actual struggle of this child or if she was more concerned about exploiting her on social media as a means to her end while assuming what was happening at home. I wonder if, maybe, she has sensory issues and has trouble letting someone brush her hair or if she has trouble with wet hair or struggles taking a shower. I just wonder if this was out of genuine concern and if measures were taken to ensure this child's safety or if it was a photo opportunity to exploit a child to further their own agenda. Just some thoughts. Because what makes me so
4: angry, and I said this in the group chat too, it makes me so mad when I see stuff like that because I'm like, okay, I completely understand that there are some kids who like, school is a safe haven for them. And school is the only place they can get like a full meal or get rest or have access to internet and everything. I'm not blind to that. I know that that is the case for a lot of young kids, very unfortunately. However, for the person taking this picture, one, you took a picture of a child without their consent, without their knowledge, and without that of their parents or guardians. Let's start there. Second of all, like Heather said, so did you actually go and take measures to help this kid? Or we just using this kid's photo as an opportunity to say, "Open this school back up." Yeah, we're in a pandemic. Open the schools. Like, let's let's not forget that there are too many variables in this. Because one, like Heather said, what if this child has sensory issues, sensory issues and reacts badly to being touched? What if this child has some type of hair condition that makes their hair mad? And that is a thing. What if, like, and also. This is a kid. Kids are dirty. They do that.
1: Kids be dirty sometimes. (laughs) Kids are gross. (laughs) to
4: negate the fact that like, yes, something could be very wrong with this child, but did this person actually go up and help this kid? Did they go out of their way and be like, yo kid, are you okay? Where are your parents? Where are your guardians? You seem to be alone. Did they go to any local authorities? Did they go to Child Protective Services? Did they take any steps to ensuring this child's safety or did they just take a picture and then post, open up the schools again. What right. did that person do other than just posting that kid without that kid's consent, I'm pretty sure, or without their kid's knowledge? Cause you can't even see the, like in the picture, you can't even see the kid's face. All you see is the back of the kid's head. And so it's just like, like not only that, I get it. Schools are a safe haven for a lot of kids and they are very necessary. However, these schools are not funded enough to take care of this child. Yes, blame the the system. They can't even pay their teachers correctly. We're still in a pandemic. Let's say we do open these schools back up and this little girl goes to school and she catches COVID. Who's gonna pay for the hospital bills? Not you, Mr. Photographer, Miss Photographer, Photographer.
0: (laughs) We're gender neutral in this household. We're gender neutral in
4: this household. Like, are you gonna pay for the child's hospital bills? Are you gonna pay and help fund these schools so they can have adequate equipment to take care of kids? Even though, let's be honest, it is not the school's job. The teachers do not get paid to parent students. They don't. Yes. Are you going to help fund things like hand sanitizer? Are you gonna help fund things like actual full meals? Are you gonna help fund things like school supplies if these kids need it? Extra clothes if these kids need it? Are you gonna help them run housing shelters for students who do not have a home to go back to since the school is their safe haven? Are you going to pay for masks? Are you gonna pay for adequate materials and learning materials? No, you're just gonna post this picture? That's it? That's how you're gonna help. You're gonna help by posting this child's picture? Facts. What happens this kid sees this picture and it's just like, oh my God, that's me. What happens then? What happens if the parents parent or guardian of this child sees that picture and is like, oh my God, the world thinks that my kid is a, is a dirty homeless child. And in reality, we just didn't have the means that day. Just because you see a kid looking a certain kind of way does not mean that, oh, poor little thing because you see a kid look look in a certain type of way does not always mean they're neglected and that they're they're they are they they do not have the means at home or that they're on the run or that there's some type of troublemaker. Like what that kid looks like is not directly linked to what that kid is experiencing. And yes, I will be the first one to tell you that even my own self, I have to go to school. In old clothes, I had to go to school in dirty clothes because we couldn't afford to go to the washing machine. There were days where our water was cut off and we didn't have water for weeks on end, or I had to go to school hungry because I didn't have time to eat or we didn't have the food in the house at the moment. I have been in those situations. And the last thing I want to see is someone posted a picture of me looking rough and tough and being like, Oh poor thing. Cause you didn't help in that situation. You just exploited that child's picture. Don't fuck with kids. That's my main rule here. Don't fuck with kids. Especially also, to further your own fucking agenda.
0: Also, Take it's care like, of
4: the kid. How about that? Sorry. Go ahead. No, you're
0: fine. I was just gonna add that it's also, like, technically none of anyone else's business. Unless you're definitely doing something to help the kiddo. You know? My whole thing is just, like
1: if you were really concerned like clearly you're not i mean it's right. very clear to everyone we not everyone but to most people really know that that child is not their concern because if people were concerned about children with less than ideal home lives then they would also be out there um, advocating for the arts not to be yes not to have a, a A budget cut and other extracurricular activities that would actually help their children they just want again for everything to be how it's supposed to be and I don't know maybe it is that whole thing of like you know people needing normalcy and and this brings on like this fight-or-flight response where anger becomes like the dominant emotion and like that's and this is like you know in a sense fighting like you're fucking exploiting this poor child who probably just fucking doesn't like taking baths because she's a child like I remember times where there was this kid that lived on my block when I was like younger and I remember he like would run through the neighborhood before we um, lost our home, we lived in a suburb, <laughs> and there was a uh, little boy who would, like, run through the neighborhood, like, naked, because he hated baths. Like, no one's going to think that little boy is in any danger. You know what I mean? I'm like, context, like, They're like no one would think to call in the neighborhood, <laughs> we lived on a golf course. Like the neighborhood that we lived in no one would like call and be like this child is out here running around naked which i thought was like pretty fucked up i'm like yo get this kid like what the fuck? catch him like, like, <laughs> <this dirty laughs> but like yeah and yeah. it's it's just very clear to me at least the intention here and i'm so sick of people saying like they need it for for their mental. I mean, I'm glad we're talking about this unpacking because the the, the argument is is that children need the the stability of, of school and they need it for their mental health. You do you have any idea what it's going to be like for children to go back right now? They're not going to be able to talk
0: to anybody and not talk and
1: have not to touch have anyone. All classes not be able to share, especially for young children.
0: You, like yeah. Like you can't touch anything. You can't play with any other child. You can't share a book with a kid. You can't share supplies. You can't even touch a textbook for crying out loud. It's like, I don't understand. For 10 minutes in the store, you think your child is going to wear one for eight hours? And then, and then, and then people say, because I've used that exact argument and that's when people are just like, well, then they're just going to need like some extra supervision.
4: Who going not pay for that extra supervision? You don't pay the teachers you have
0: now. And I'm just like, who's going to touch that kid? No one's allowed to touch anybody. How are you going to help a kid put on their mask if they can't do it themselves?
4: And then I heard this teacher talking, and she was like, yes, I want to go back to my students. I want to be around my students. That's literally why I have this job. However, do you know how sickening and heartbreaking it's going to be when some of your teachers don't return to you? Yeah. Do you know how horrifying it's going to be for little kids when they're in school and then their teacher isn't there one day and then the principal or some substitute teacher is going to have to come and explain that your teacher cannot come back to school because they are sick and they're probably not going to ever have, be able to come back to school? My mom. Mama... Put... Like, sorry, sorry. Like, no, you want to put a kid through that kind of trauma because you think that this pandemic isn't as bad as it really, as it actually is? And people are like, oh, they're young, no, no, no. I've seen a video of COVID-19 going through a four-year-old's body, and that was horrifying. Absolutely not. I get it. This opening up schools is pivotal for some families, because there are some families that literally do not have a choice, like the parents have to go to work and they have no kind of at-home childcare, so their kids have to go to school but there's just so many variables in this we cannot go back to how things used to be because no one wanted to take caution when we still had the time to take caution no one wanted to pay attention and actually do the things that they were supposed to do in the first month that this shit started popping up yo
1: no, don't even get me started on that interview that came out today it has been all over my feet we're the lowest- We're the, I can't even fucking talk like him. It's ridiculous. Uh, We're the lowest. It's, we have the lowest. And he, the guy's like, no, we- no. <laughs> like, we don't. We don't. And it's like,
4: if you want to reopen up schools, honestly, if we could reopen up schools and it was safe to open up schools, I would be like, absolutely fucking do it. Yes, my younger brother has been in the house since February. And he's left the house maybe like four times and one of those ways to go pick up his supplies from school so he could do remote learning so and i would love for him to be able to go out of the house and see his friends and hang out and everything like i would love for that to happen i would love for my mom to be able to actually go to work and not have to set up a home office at the dining room table with all my other siblings around her doing all their homework and everyone trying to make sure that there's not too many people on the wi-fi at the time I would love for that to be the case. However, it's not. So if you want to scream and preach about reopen the schools, help fund it so that if they do decide to reopen schools, it is safe for kids. It's safe for the teachers. Because you can't just keep hiring new help and new staff. Right. Because whether people like it or not, teachers did not sign a contract saying that they would die for the sake of reopening a school. That's not in the contract. They don't even get proper health care and you want them to come in one harming like potentially harming themselves putting themselves in danger and their family members but that of their students as well and the students the family students members
1: oh, yeah They're and the home. students
4: family members like, there's like two grandma members.
1: like the, the 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 possibilities of of it's Fraterals. just un... it's unclear to me why it's so difficult for people people to get it about this like i just like don't
0: like i know remote learning doesn't work for everybody but it's like it doesn't matter by this point it's like you just kind of have to like roll with the punches until because it's just like it yeah i don't know it's just like i'm sorry like i hate to be the one to rip the band-aid off like that but you really gotta just roll with the punches right now man Also, my mom works in a middle school and she's dealing with this stuff like literally right now and she's also like I don't know what's gonna happen to me. I don't know what's gonna happen to these kids because it's like, of course You have like the students and the teachers, but you also have like the general staff as well And she told me too. She was like, we're not gonna have any substitute teachers coming in No subs whatsoever so it's like what's going to happen? What what literally what will happen if like a teacher gets sick? Even if it's not COVID, what is going to happen? Like it's just kind of like there's just so many other factors to like think about and to anyone who still after hearing this conversation thinks that they should still reopen, I ask you this. I want you to ponder this. If you think that the schools should reopen, I ask you what you think the schools should do to make it as safe as possible. Because clearly, if you think that it's gonna be fine, I would like to know why you think that way and what measures like you know, should be taken and like what your plan would be. If you were in the teacher's shoes, choose to be a teacher right now. Choose it for a day. If you think it's so easy, please choose it for a day. Um, and I would just like you to ponder what you would do in this situation. And I've had people have this exact response to me saying, I don't get paid enough to make those decisions. And then I would say, do you think that they get paid enough? Good
4: time. Good time. Everyone go
1: to therapy. Everyone go to therapy. Fine, fine. i will love it, I promise.
0: You Just might find, hate it find sometimes. some
4: way to get these feelings out. Because it's not, it's not cool to keep everything bottled in. I mean, it hurts to let it out, too. But, like... At least you're not shattering completely. Let that shit out. Talk and like it
0: all, out. Also, too, it's like something else is like when it comes to like therapy it's like it's not easy like it's not just like talking about your feelings like there's homework involved and there's practicing that you have to do outside of therapy um and these hour-long sessions that you have are extremely exhausting because you're trying to come up with words to explain how you're feeling and it's the first time probably that you're really speaking about things that you feel and it can be traumatizing in itself to be like, oh man, like I really have thought about things I'm not gonna go any deeper. But <laughs> <laughs> um it's like it can be scary and like that's okay. Like today I was explaining how I was absolutely terrified for this appointment that I had today. But it's okay. It's okay. It's okay.
1: You
4: it. Just like it's it's it, I feel like this is super cliche to say, but it's true. It's okay to not be okay. Perfection doesn't exist, except in Harry Styles. Harry? But I'm convinced Harry Styles is not an actual human. Um, and we love him for that. But like, genuinely, it's it's completely it's human to feel human emotions. And it's Oh, everyone puts a lot of heavy burdens on themselves but and especially like this generation y'all the grind is not everything okay being being the top it's not everything being a-okay percent, it's not everything you're going to feel tired and upset and hurt and sad and annoyed and of pissed off, you're gonna feel those things, feel them. And then learn to deal with them in the healthiest way possible, whether it's writing it out, talking to a professional, eating copious amounts of tiramisu, like I will be doing tomorrow. Just like figure out what you can do to make sure that you are emotionally healthy. Because your emotional health and your mental health, that has a direct link to your physical health, okay? Like one of my closest friends said, she said, I ain't dying for Walgreens. I, don't let none stress you out like that.
1: <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I was trying to look for something and I posted something the other day on our page about like, um, to also rest and, like the whole thing of like rest is resistance and like all of that and like knowing that like sometimes that's hard to do and like sometimes like just resting isn't like because we're not used to it like in regards to like what Ken yeah. you're saying about like grind culture and like, like the grind is not it's not it just fucking like sit down.
0: Like, yeah and, <laughs> es- and especially like with everything going on too a lot of people have made it sound like Resting and taking a break is wrong to do, and that you're not allowed to take a second to just reassess and have a self care period of time.
1: Yeah, give yourself some time and some ground. I and
0: mean, like Kenya was
1: saying at the beginning, um, of how she, she never really like, gave herself time after your dad passed, and like, you need to do that. Cause you're allowed. There's no supposed to anything. Man, I love
0: never, that. Song. <laughs> never,
1: never <laughs> let
0: someone,
4: never let someone tell you how you should be dealing with stuff. Yeah. No one, no one else is you, honey. No one else can deal with the shit that you got to deal with the way that you would deal with it because no one else is you. You deal with that shit. And if someone tries to tell you. How to grieve, or how to cope? Eat them. Kick eat them. them in the
0: shins. Eat Just them. We, we,
4: yeah. <laughs> Cook them first, cause we don't like salmonella. But eat them.
1: cannibalism on this I was
0: gonna say that, but then I was like, what if one day someone takes what I said out of context and uses me? Uses it like in court, and I was like, no, but I didn't mean it literally. <laughs>
2: We don't, promote, oh. we don't promote
4: cannibalism on this show. When I say eat them, I really do mean just like like flaying their ass or something. Um, don't actually eat people. Get some
3: therapy, uh-huh. <laughs> especially if you're a man. Um, oh, and make sure your brothers watch this podcast. That's all I have to say. Yeah. So that's what's up. my name's Liz. You can catch me uh, <laughs> on Spotify. I'm also i I'm also working on my LinkedIn, so <laughs> okay LinkedIn, okay LinkedIn. <laughs> oh, thank okay, but
2: best of all,
3: gonna dance.
2: Hey, well, dance. Bye. <laughs> I'm an artist, which also means I'm a creator because I create things. A storyteller, since I have stories to tell, a visionary, I write about where I've been, these poems act as self-help, I'm a healer. Not always for myself, but one time, a kid told me he almost killed himself, but he heard one of my poems and decided to keep living. And from that day forward, I was like... (laughs) Today is a good day to keep someone alive. People ask me how I did it or how they should do it, and I'm sure if they're asking me about the kid or themselves, what I've come to learn is... No one can tell when I'm not doing well but me. I get to travel across the country and do poems for a living like that's my job. And out of 50 states, I've performed in 47 of them. I read an article that said only 20% of people in the US are doing what they actually love, or whatever sad statistic it was. And I was like, my God, ain't damned nothing in me. I'm doing exactly what I've always wanted to do. So I must be blessed. Must be exemplifying all this miracle. I am stressed and winning. I look at and update my curriculum vitae daily and I be like, damn, I'm surprised I even knew how to say that word. And ain't nobody wish nothing bad on me but me. Like everything I've ever wanted, I'm manifesting at the end of each meditation. I ask the universe to make me undeniably enough and people be mad happy when I show up. One time, I performed for 200,000 people and I didn't throw up. It was so cool and exhausting. Did you know I could touch what feels like a million people's energy and help them feel seen and go back to my hotel room feeling so fulfilled yet lonely, yeah, it's amazing. Another time, I thought I was gonna marry this guy I had been with for like six years out of my life, but he said he hated my lifestyle even though this is my life's work because my work means I'm never home. But every time I came back, he was gone as in emotionally unavailable mentally abusive. I have extreme PTSD from that unhealthy relationship, but someone asked me to do that one poem about that one time where he was mine. May you find a lover that helps you love yourself. May you find a lover that doesn't require you to give more to them than you have to give to yourself. Did I mention I paid off my student loans with poetry? Can't nobody. Ain't nobody tell me I'm not the shit, but me. I get so sad sometimes. I think I'm losing my mind, and I must be since I enrolled in graduate school this past May. I guess I returned to my oppressor. I am whoever the fuck I think I am, but I wish being a good person paid more. I, I heard, I heard it's the it's the wounds people can't see that hurt the most, but I've seen sunsets that look like somewhere tomorrow. My heart is on fire, so I'm chasing the day. At night, I don't sleep, I grind. I've been in my prime like nine times. I got so much love, I give and keep giving. I have so much advice that are really opinions or maybe they're just hard facts I haven't hardly learned yet. Did I mention that um, people uh, comment on how I'm doing by mentioning my weight? And here I am, some foolish somebody that didn't actually hate the way they look today. But you right, girl, must be the depression. (laughs) But I'm the kind of giant that's been through what I've been through and you can still depend on. I gave all that I had and you ain't never known a black woman who ain't did that. My friends call on me when they're down and out or just in need, and what good is a God that can't speak life into somebody? Check on your strong friends. Check on your strong friends. Check on your strong friends. <laughs> Don't believe us. I promise we're pretending. Have you ever have you ever tried to tell someone you're not okay and they're like, you're good, and you're like, but I'm not, and they're like, You got this, and you're like, but I don't. And they're like, keep going. And you're like, okay, thank you. You're right, I could do this with my eyes closed. I'm so overwhelmed that one time, I was drowning and screaming but everybody thought I was I was swimming and smiling. I died in that dream and then I woke up on an airplane flying to a different country to do poetry. I'm so blessed. I'm so blessed. I'm so blessed that my my heart is racing. My my mind is crazy. I, I'm probably dehydrating. Traveling does awful things to the body. But the one thing I can tell you about being successful is that you have to love what you're doing. Can't nobody steal my joy. Can't nobody steal my joy, not even myself. I, I heard that, um, or, or someone said that if, if your path is more difficult, it's because your calling is higher. And so I say I be hero and legend. Nobody built like me, I design myself. But every time I climb, my community get cosigned, divinity defined, cheers to the most high. I just pray I leave something good behind. My name is Ebony Stewart, thank you so much.